So welcome to another Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast, where today we're going to be talking about sustainability reporting and metrics. Now, this is a subject that keeps coming up in our conversations, and we also wrote about it in our book, Sustainable Marketing. So to delve deeper into this important area today, we are joined by Simon Pitsalidis. Now, get ready for a lot of letters. Simon is the owner of FBRH Consultants, who are a GRI and IEMA certified training partner for the UK, which specializes in certified sustainability reporting, training, consultancy, and report assurance. And Simon, you also combine marketing expertise with sustainability. So that's going to add a lot of value to our conversation today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Hi, everyone. So as I said at the start, the subject of reporting and metrics is one that keeps coming up. And whilst it is becoming a bit more widely practiced, um, organizations can still report in multiple different ways, which makes it difficult for business stakeholders to make strategic decisions and also for consumers to compare and make formed choices about who they engage with. So, Simon, why don't we have a global unified approach to metrics and reporting and what can we start to do to progress this area? Yes, that is a very good question. Basically, uh, the reason it is so complicated is if you take a step back, um, what sustainability reporting is, is about the unique impacts of different organizations who can be at any size in any different sector. So what sustainability reporting does, it facilitates companies, it helps companies to identify their most important impacts. Uh, For instance, the GRI standards help companies identify the most important impacts on the economy, society, and environment, and then to uh, take action and to reduce their negative impacts and increase the positive impacts. Now, the biggest issue of our time, in my point of view, is uh, yes, you know, arguably we've got climate change, but we should be taking a few steps backwards and seeing that that is the result of bad habits. And what we should be doing is uh, trying to look at the root of the problem. How do we start doing things in much cleverer, sustainable ways, rather than just focusing on the result? One of the things we struggled with when we were putting the book together, because we wanted to make it very practical, was to try and create a practical framework after every chapter is to say, well, these are some of the things you could be reviewing. These are some of the things you could be doing. But the consistent thing, as Gemma said right at the beginning, that kept coming up was it was like the baselines, the benchmarks were so difficult to understand where you currently were. You know, was your practice positive? Was it negative? How how were you, how was there any measurement of 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 where your starting point was, never mind understanding what those metrics might look like that you have a reporting structure about to say, oh, well, we're hitting that, we're hitting this, we're hitting that, we're doing this, we're doing that. There was no kind of collective understanding of, well, where are we now? And I suppose what you're saying there is 
it comes right back to that organization, regardless of size and structure, to be asking the very kind of moral question about, are we actually doing the right thing? You know, what impact are we having, regardless of metrics, regardless of frameworks, you know, what what impact are we actually having as an organization? And, and that's a difficult question, isn't it? Because you've then got to consider that across all the different levels. But maybe you could consider that across your economic, your people, you know, your planet position as a starting point as to say, okay, so let's start with how we feel we're doing on these points. Yeah. And then that, let's, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's get out there and see how we're then comparing. But, but that's a challenge. It is a challenge. Uh, it's not as difficult as it might seem. Because um, with uh, materiality, materiality is basically a principle, is a bit like the 80-20 rule. You decide, you find what are your most important impacts, and uh, you just focus on the absolute most important impacts. Now, uh, what companies usually do is they benchmark with their sector, so they see what other people in their sector are doing, and uh, then they start doing stakeholder engagement. Uh, you know, you can't really have good materiality if you don't have proper stakeholder engagement. So once you uh, uh, have a list of your material issues, uh, then again, uh, it's about benchmarking and continually benchmarking against your sector. There are some good things out there. It's like science-based targets, for instance. So every company can see uh, what is their allocation, let's say, of uh, emissions, so mm-hmm. they focus on that. Uh, but I do agree that uh, you know there is not sort of one kind of metrics uh, that uh, deals with everything. You work specifically with the Global Reporting Initiative, so the GRI standards, which is the most widely used sustainability reporting framework in the world. What, what makes, you know, we had a really interesting chat about this um, a couple of weeks ago. What makes the GRI standards so different? It's uh, basically the, the most important part of the GRI standards is that it's the only complete framework out there. So where else there's uh, very good frameworks for environment and so on and so forth. GRI standards, they look at the environment, economy and society. Uh, it's a complete framework. It's the only framework which addresses all the SDGs, uh, all the sustainable development goals. Yep. Maybe not on a target level, but definitely on the goal level. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there is a mechanism to address absolutely any kind of impact. And further to this, it's uh, recommended by the UN Global Compact to communicate progress in a memorandum of understanding signed in, I think, back in 2010. Uh, So really, it is uh, the best, in my view, framework to use. But as a uh, course of action, what I would recommend to companies is use the GRI standards as an overall umbrella to create a sustainability report and then look at their needs and use other frameworks as and when needed. So that is already starting as much as 
we're trying to simplify because obviously the simpler we make measurement and understanding of what organizations can do and the difference they can make and the more that more readily accessible benchmarking data and information is for organizations you know you mentioned there Simon that organizations can see how they are benchmarked in their sector where where would they see that where would you go to to find that information as an organization there's different rating agencies uh but um uh what i tend to advise clients and the people we uh train at fbrh on how to begin and create the first class report is um to every year to have a benchmarking workshop so yes you know it's complicated but that doesn't mean that you just continue to uh uh practice reporting without understanding where you are and where you want to be and set targets you know it's absolutely necessary that companies should set targets it is and it's interesting actually i mean larry fink he is the former ceo of of the gri he is the ceo of blackrock they came out in 2020 and 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 you know said uh, to great acclaim that they were only going to be investing or putting their assets into organizations that had a very clear climate plan and sustainability was you know embedded uh, within those organizations and this year in his letter to CEOs uh, he talks about strongly supporting moving to a single global standard uh, of 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 metrics a single reporting metric because he, he identified in this letter that there are just too many frameworks there are just too many metrics it's it, it, there's a way it's easy almost for organizations to fudge the outcomes because they they can just choose the framework that kind of fits with what they're trying to to look like rather than as you said the gri which is all encompassing and takes a much more holistic approach do you think we're going to get to this single metric uh, organically or do you think it's going to be enforced and and regulated I think it's going to be a bit of both it's uh, working towards there because um um you know the thing that has changed in the last few years which is extremely important uh is sustainable finance mm. uh worlds before you know people like myself we've been harping on about sustainability and nobody really you know wanted to understand or listen uh now we have the uh money people on board mm. uh it's a totally different ball game so uh you know it's like with the financial institutions i have always been arguing that um, what um they should be reporting on is how do they assess their investments and not if they're saving on photocopy paper for instance exactly you know it's yeah. it's ridiculous you know in my view to look at photocopy paper when you are spending your money on i don't know bad practices in any kind yeah. of sector yeah polluting so, the world yeah yeah so and it's not just the pollution no it's uh, we've got lots of other problems in our world which have to do with uh, societies economies 
people who have been left out of the economy. It's, um, I would like to see a bigger take up of economic value generated and distributed. Is uh, companies, they uh, produce reports, but they do not show how that, uh, or many companies don't show how that value uh, has been distributed in the economies and societies in which they're relying on for growth and profit. Um, how many suppliers do they have, local suppliers? Mm. How many local employees and so on and so forth? How are they benefiting? And uh, these are important metrics to help a company understand that you also need to take care of the people who are buying your products and services. So, I mean, we know that sustainability is hugely complex and you know even just the start of this conversation is you know uncovering even more complexities you know not only not everyone's going to measure the same things and not everyone's going to measure the same things in the same way because you know we all have all organizations have different impacts um i think you know if we look at consistency across industries, though, I think that's where we could start to make some improvements because, you know, if you take the retailers, for example, the grocers, you know, they're all reporting in different ways. But if we had more consistency and we almost became um, com- competition agnostic in terms of them agreeing what they're going to report and how they're going to report it, then, you know, surely that would go some way to, um, enabling consumers and employees and all of those people in that stakeholder chain to understand what they're reading. Because I think some of the issue I certainly found um, when researching and writing for the book was how reports are communicated is, you know, critical to their impact and success, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, reports tend to be very complicated, many yes. pages with lots of tables and so on and so forth. Um, uh, what I do advise, uh, what we do teach on our sustainability reporting course is how to declutter a report to start with because uh, you can't ex- expect people to be analysts. You know, yeah. they want to read a uh, story and they want to... Uh, uh, drill in deeper, find the information. So you have to write, first of all, let, let's say an executive summary, which helps people focus on what the impacts are, and uh, then under, get a better understanding of how to use a report, because it's another thing that's missing in reports, is how do you use reports? Mm. You know, it's sort of uh, as if we're expecting people to read a report and know what materiality is and so forth. But uh, I think, you know, uh, beyond reporting, there's a lot of uh, work that needs to be done by retailers because at the moment there is uh, this huge wave of interest by millennials and so on and so forth, which uh, want to buy sustainable products and uh, they are not really given too much choice. And these... uh, different products are not separated in different categories. You know, we could go to a better system like a uh, traffic-like system, let's say, and have different areas which these products are absolutely green. You know, they're not using uh, palm oil and they're 
whatever, you know, they give the reasoning why you should be buying these products, whereas these products are more in the amber and red area. By giving choice to consumers in a simple kind of fashion like that, that will definitely change the way uh, people will be uh, buying things to start with and will put lay pressure on manufacturers. And that is, I suppose, where this crosses with the marketing, isn't it? And the communications and how things are communicated and the simplicity of the communication. Because as you say, there will be investors that are analysts and do want the numbers and do want the detail and the data. But then there will be the consumers who literally just want this simple understanding of, is this a good product to buy? Is this authentically a good product to buy? And I, that that red, amber, green system. I mean, we now see that, don't we, with salt content and fat content on our, on our, on our, on our groceries. And it's very simple to kind of, as a, as a consumer, to pick that up and say, oh, okay, that's all in the greens and a bit of orange. Great. If it's all red, ooh, a little bit of an alarm, red rag, you know, maybe I won't purchase that. So that transparency has been made very simple in that perspective. It would be wonderful if we could get to that simplistic system with regards to how how sustainably created is this product yeah absolutely. considering all those factors considering all the factors end of life you know how it's been created the products that go into it the people and the you know environmental impact the economic aspect if we could consider all of those like the gri yet the output is this red, amber, green, that would just be an absolute gift, wouldn't it? It would. It, it, it is, you know, a huge task to do something like that. But uh, I would say that uh, if retailers really put their mind to it, they could uh, try to start to simplify and then simply add products to those areas. And, uh, you know, it could be as simple as just uh, painting the floor green and making sure that everybody who's walking through yeah. that area in a uh, supermarket or anywhere, they know that those are green products. The Global Web Index 2019 report highlighted that when it comes to searching for environmental information, the main sources that consumers use are good old social media, and we know how reliable that is. Um, so 41% go straight to social media. And then 34% go and look on company websites. So, you know, I think it's it's for organizations to take responsibility that what they are doing and the positive impacts and work they are doing is being seen the right way. And they have to take responsibility for reporting that. If you leave it up to social media, this is where confusion reigns. And this is where fake news and mistrust and all of these elements come into play. Um, and it's, you know, it's a Again, what we say, it's what you do with that information on that sustainability report that's important. Because if you bury it in your website, if you make it really, really difficult to understand, then actually the information you put in there is almost redundant, isn't it? If you can't take any action off the back of it. Absolutely. And there is another aspect to sustainability, which uh, 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 companies do not really realise is that it's also the sustainability of their company as a company, how 
how are they going to survive in 5, 10, 15 years' 100%. time? Yeah. What a good sustainability report does uh, when you're looking out and you are trying to identify all what your most important impacts are, but also threats, you're, uh, in actual fact, you're mapping out all your icebergs. Yeah. So you're seeing, for instance, that in, uh, you know, it's um, what does uh, banning the sale of cars, which use traditional fuels or vehicles in general, after 2030, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, it, what does that mean for a company? You know, it, first of all, you don't want to have a uh, huge hole on your balance sheet. Secondly, you want to get rid of all the vehicles which you potentially have, and you need to invest and buy new vehicles or find a new way of distributing. Mm -hmm. So how do you solve that problem? If you don't solve it in time, or if you don't solve waste in time, if your products are creating waste, it, it will be irrelevant yeah. whether you are selling a product or you're producing a service or doing anything because nobody's going to want to buy it. No, they're not. And, and it, so you're right, it's future-proofing. And it is, it, it, you know, it, if we don't sort things out, it's going to be even more challenging, isn't it, for businesses to survive. And, and every single piece of study that we did in the book and, we, you know, every, everything that we've read confirms time and time again that good business is good for business. You know, these sustainable organizations are more profitable. So I think, you know, I think we could talk all day about metrics and reporting, but um, what we like to do is ask all our guests three quick fire questions to end the show. So, um, Michelle, do you want to ask the first question? Well, it's a pretty big question, but quick answer, Simon. So can marketing save the planet? What's, what's your view on that? Um, definitely the marketeers of the world are the also the communicators of the world. So they can save the planet if uh, they uh, find ways to... Uh, communicate sustainability in better ways, like with the traffic-like system, mm -hmm. and also use every leverage they have to increase positive change. Yeah. yeah. And what do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? Um, I really hope that we're in a position uh, where we have the wisdom to avoid situations where we will need it, like climate change. And uh, this is where we need uh, to have a culture of sustainability. Uh, we need to be proactive. We need to understand all our actions. We need to map out what our impacts are and reduce those impacts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it really is about taking more responsibility. Every single one of us, every single business, isn't it? And last but not least, because I think you've given us so much advice and so many great pointers. If you were to give one piece of advice around getting started with sustainability and sustainable marketing, whether that's, you know, I'm not going to say what you want to say, but what would that one piece of advice be? Where do people get started? I would tell people is just go for it and start creating a sustainability report because a sustainability report 
is a key document for success. It's not just for the big guys. Uh, it's a, a process which any company, and I really believe this, and uh, I've seen this, any company can do this, uh, can create a really good document, an all-round document, which underpins all their efforts. So as a starting point, I suppose people could start with the GRI reporting structure. They could come to your website. They could no doubt find some templates or some advice as to what that criteria looks like for their sustainability report. Are there there templates or their starting points out there, Simon, for people? There are some starting points, um, but um, I do recommend that they uh, join a kind of course. Okay. Uh, hopefully, a, a trainer-led course, uh, even if it's remote yeah. uh, training. Uh, and the, the reason I say this is because they can ask any question that they yeah. can possibly think of, and they, they'll get answers for it. Yeah. Whereas if it's a, um, a course which is a self-paced course, uh, you know, they they might lose interest and think, "Oh my God, you know, this is complicated." Yeah. I guess you do it once and you are equipped to be able to put that report together and Absolutely. get it. Absolutely. Once you get the first report right, it's, yep. then it's, you know, I'll um, go as far as saying it's like riding a bicycle. I mean, it's future-proofing the business, isn't it, as well? Yes. It's not, it's not just about getting the report and this is future-proofing the business and being responsible about your, your the role you play in nurturing this planet moving forward. So, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Yes, excellent. So thank you for joining us today, Simon. It's been uh, very interesting and hopefully it gives everyone listening some food for thought and, you know, go and look at the GRI standards, look at what they can do for you and your organization, look at how they can help marketing to communicate, you know, the what you're doing as a business and and also highlight potential opportunities moving forward. So thank you for joining us today. Thank Thank you you very much. 